Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. Squad Pod. This is episode 37 presented by Blue Wire Hustle. And this week we've got Manny Chang with us. What's going on, Manny? Evening, my friend. How's it going? Going good. And you are on location this week. You are actually in Hotlanta. Yeah, that is correct. I'm here for a soccer game that takes place at the Falcons' new stadium tomorrow. So, should be fun. Um, I do regret, though, not coming last year when the Rams came or um, the Eagles a couple of weeks back, but hey, um, you know, it should be fun tomorrow and whatnot at this, uh, at, at, at a stadium, which they now call top five, but you know, their hometown team that plays in there just doesn't seem to know that, you know, it's top five. <laughs> yeah. It's kind of sad when you have a, an amazing stadium, but the team that plays in it, it's kind of crap, but it is total, it is. total, total opposite of the team that owns SoFi Stadium. Notice how I said own, not rent. <laughs> yeah. We'll have to see. I, I'm assuming at some point here in the near future, the Falcons are going to have to address the, the quarterback in the oh, draft absolutely. or trade something. They're going to have to do something. 20 years, 20 years too late, my friend. <laughs> 20 years late. Uh, so I, I up front, I just got to say, I'm extremely surprised. That wasn't the outcome that I thought we were going to get, but I'm very happy to be wrong. I really thought that the Rams were going to struggle with their pass defense, and I thought that that was going to be their downfall, and we were going to be talking about a loss. But that that game, I don't think the score indicates how much of a lopsided win that was. The box score says 34-24 with Rams coming out on top, but if you watch the game, it definitely didn't feel that close. I don't know how you felt about it, Manny, but that was like a, a pretty dominating performance. No, listen, absolutely. I, I, and I think I told you, you and um, you and our and our other co-host who's not here tonight, which happens to be at a concert, which me and you are trying to figure out what concert's going on on yeah. a Tuesday night. Yeah, we're West. recording on a Tuesday night. I don't know what concert's going on on a Tuesday night, but... Maybe he's on a date with one of his uh, extra listeners that... I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. Dixie chicks are in town. I I don't know. No idea. Yeah. yeah so, but you, you know what? When you make Tom Brady throw for fifty-five attempts, um, I would probably say that the odds are in your favor to probably win the game. Um, but I felt like Stafford and company man just went out there and just from the get-go. Um, the only negative I have with it is that and me and you actually texted back and forth. You know, those two other passes to Jackson were actually on the money, leading him towards the football. I mean, this score would have not even been close, right? But what a performance by the offense. Defense came out full throttle. They basically shut down um, the long – well, not the long – like the long plays because, of course, with without Antonio Brown, I must admit, I think it made – you know, not 
not the job easier, but it, at least it made it more in a way that they can actually scheme a lot better, right? Because Mike Evans, he's not going to beat you with 4-4 four, four speed. He's going to beat you, you know, trying to catch the football at, you know, at he's his a big guy. Point. Yeah. Yes, exactly. So he's going to try to body you and try to catch the football and yak. Um, then you have Goodwin as well, but nobody has speed like Antonio Brown. Absolutely nobody on that field. Um, and then I think once the Rams were able to shut down that running game, man, um, it made it just, hey, Brady, you know, try to beat us. And I felt like the constant pressure up front was one of the best things I've seen all year long. Um, this Rams defense came out there with a priority to make sure that it was Tom Brady having to throw the football to try to get his team back in it. But I felt like, you know, you know, Stafford, McVay and company, man, they their game plan was, hey, we're going to go out there. We're going to create first downs. We're going to go up and get big plays. We're going to put the pressure on your secondary. That's what we're going to do. And I think it was the absolute right call. And you know what, Nick? In a league that plays weekly, you watch this football game that happened last night because as all you guys know, I'm an Eagles fan. That must have been the most piss porous performance I've ever seen on both sides of a football. Like this game plan that Nick Sirianni put up last Wednesday was a total fail. Absolute crap show. And then you see what McVay and company did last Wednesday to play against Tom Brady and the defending champions. Total lopsided, man. It's just those those things that Sean McVay, he's he's growing in front of our eyes. And he's noticing, you know, the simple mistakes that he's been doing ever since the Super Bowl loss. And those are things that I feel like, listen, when you have a quarterback like Stafford, man, so consistent, 27 out of 38, 343 and four touchdowns, 10 out of 15 on third down. You know, that's absolutely awesome to watch and see. Yeah, the Bucks pretty much had no running game. And also not having Antonio Brown was big. And also during the game, Gronkowski took a huge hit to his ribs and he had to leave for a little bit. And you could tell even when he came back, he wasn't 100 percent. So that's another huge factor. But a huge win against the defending Super Bowl champions who they also beat last year. So now you have to think at some point in the season, like playoffs, whatever round it is, the odds of the Rams facing this team again are probably pretty high. And now they're going to have to, the Bucks are going to go into the game knowing in the back of their mind, the last two times they've faced the Rams, they've lost. So they're going to have to, all the pressure, in my opinion, I mean, stuff could change between now and then, but in my opinion, all the pressure is going to be on the Bucks at that point. I mean, I, I, I don't see how, how it couldn't be. Um, so the Rams obviously are 3-0 and now, and the offense, like Manny said, was humming. It looked great. Uh, 10 of 15 on third down is huge. They had two drives that ate up eight minutes on the clock, which is another huge thing. If you can keep the ball away from the other team, it's kind of hard for them to score, right? So uh, we got pressure on Tom, which is another big thing. Everyone will always tell you that if you can get pressure up the middle, if you can pressure Tom, that's usually something that he struggles with, especially as he's aged a little bit more. That's been another thing that's, um, I guess, his kryptonite, if you want to call it that. So he got sacked three times, and he was under pressure pretty much throughout the entire game. You could tell that there was a lot of passes that he threw that were just not when he wanted to. It was just a little bit earlier than he wanted. Um, we didn't have Daryl Henderson, but Sonny Michelle looks like a really solid pickup right now because he carried the ball 20 times, 
granted, it was only for 67 yards, so not like a huge, um, you know, yards per carry number, but the yardage that he picked up on the first downs that he got was huge. And that's all keeping the defense honest. They have to respect the run, and that's going to bring them up a little bit, get some play action going. So I'm still really impressed that McVay is committing to the run as much as he is. I'm very uh, pleased with that. And it looks like our offensive line is going to be a strength going forward. It doesn't look like that's going to be an issue. And I don't know, I don't know what else we could say about, or, or maybe we haven't said enough about Cooper Cup. I mean, this guy looks like he's one of the best receivers in the league right now. I don't know if it's all scheme or or what. I mean, you could definitely tell on some of those catches there were some pick plays and and some schematical things. But I mean, he's breaking guys' ankles out there with some of his routes. <laughs> Yeah, no, and then also one thing, though, that we can probably also say, Nick, is that that's Matthew Stafford's guy, right? I mean... Oh, yeah, you could totally game, tell. Game after game, the amount of targets that he's getting, it, you know, we can kind of quite, you know, guess say it with confidence that Cup is his go-to guy. Um, but at some point, um, I, I'd like a little bit of a distribution, though, because, you know, when you're, when you're aiming a guy 12 times and the next closest guy is six... Uh, you, you know, you, you can kind of, um, you know, once you face a much solid defense that knows how to play the cover too well, that know how to play man-to-man well, um, those rub routes and things like that, that, to me, that becomes a risk down the line, right? But listen, as of right now, um, it's only, what, after the third week? <laughs> yeah. Um, there's, plenty, there's plenty of ball left, plenty of time to get the running game going. Um, I'm not sure if Matthew Stafford got sacked. Okay, well, I think he got, he, sacked, he got sacked once, once late but, in the game. Yeah. Yeah. But that's the difference as well, right? When golf was in their last couple of seasons, it's either them throwing screens at third down or golf holding the ball too long and he's getting sacked. Matthew Stafford is just that veteran quarterback that knows, you know, if this play is called for a three-step drop, I'm throwing it away at three steps. I'm not going to go ahead and try to do anything, you know, that's going to hurt my team. Right. Um, unless he knows and he has the confidence he can roll out and, you know, things like that. But I mean, right now, this offense just seems to be growing in front of us. It's growing with confidence, you know, and you're absolutely right. 20 carries for 67 yards, averaging only 3.4 might not be a lot. But when you see the amount of yardage that that Sony was able to get and to create those first downs, I mean, that just that just basically helps, you know, Stafford and company with that play action which we both know that's what Sean McVay loves to do. Yeah, and it's it uh, going back to the point you made earlier about when we were texting each other during the game, I think the first throw that Stafford made to uh, Deshaun was a little short, and then if I remember right, the second one was a little bit over him, and you could tell that Sean knew there was, there was a weakness there. He knew. He called those plays – at the perfect opportunity because Deshaun was open on both of those. So theoretically had all three of those been caught Deshaun Jackson could have had like 300 yards and three touchdowns. That could have been a, a, an insane game. Um, Nick, we are talking about the Rams scoring close to 50 points, man. I yeah. don't care what nobody tells me that's 14 points right there. That could have been scored, but still, Hey, listen, I'm just happy though that Sean said, no, it's there. We're going to make it happen. Get it done. And the, and the first drive out of halftime, boom. You know, right? It, it wasn't, let's be conservative. Let's go away from what's been working. It's, you know what? No, 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 no. 
there's you know it's not like the Bucks went back into halftime and came out and they had John Lynch and Hardy Nickerson and you know Simeon Rice on defense. It's like no no no, this is the exact same eleven. Okay, it's, you know I'm going after it. And I think after Deshaun Jackson just caught that pass, you, like you saw the excitement of of, of a of freaking Sean McVay he went right towards the freaking yeah, tunnel. Yeah, that was <laughs> that any, was awesome. Anyone that has followed this team for longer than a year, he never has done that. He's never been that amped up, that excited. He's never ran down to the end zone after a touchdown. Like he is feeling himself right now. He is a hundred percent locked in all in on this team right now, which, which is awesome to see. And that's a great sign as a fan. Um, right now I've been seeing people pretty much ever since the game ended on Sunday, a lot of people are saying the Rams are the best team in the NFL. And initially I was like, no, no, let's not get carried away. Let's not get carried away guys. It's literally three games. But then I sat back and I thought about it. And if you think about it, the Rams are the best team in the NFL right now. Who who would you put ahead of them? Um, I think the Cowboys' performance. Um, I I get it, right? It's against the Eagles, you know, new new coaching staff and whatnot. But um, I love Dan Quinn as a, as a defensive coordinator, and we saw what McCarthy did um, with the Pack for a long time, right? So at some point, when you see when you listen. You got to give Dak some, Dak some love, man. I mean, after that injury last year, I, I probably said there's no way he can probably get to that level of being, you know, very good. I mean, bro, Dak Prescott is just looking unbelievable, and he has weapons around him. Um, you think they're better than the Rams? I don't think they're better than the Rams, but they're going to be up there. But here's the one thing that I trust the Rams more than anything. They have Aaron Donald. They have Jalen Ramsey. They have one heck of a defense right there that is just going to learn and grow and get it together. And that's my confidence. And I'm not even going to mention the deep, the offense for the Rams because one, one more needs to be said. Like, like, I can literally look at Matthew Stafford and Sean McVay and say, I have total confidence that you can get me at least over 24 points every game, right? Yeah, I, I have I have total confidence in that at this at this particular moment in the season, the offense to me I'm expecting 24 points a game. That's how that's how good to me it's been. It's all I'm about expecting 30. Well, hey, listen, 30 would be nice, right? Because then it brings back memories of the greatest show on turf, and it brings back memories of the Super Bowl season, right? Because that's when the defense of the Rams was at its best when the offense can't be up by multiple possessions, right? And then all of a sudden, the defense can just rush the quarterback and do whatever they want in the backfield, um, per se. So, um, but to me, I would probably listen. The Rams to me are number one though in the conference in the league. Um, but I think after the Cowboy performance, there has to be a little bit of a discussion of saying that maybe Dallas um, can be that team. I still need to see more of their defense, obviously. Um, but to me, toe to toe, offense per offense, I think that Dallas is up there. Um, I need to see more from Arizona. I felt that maybe it was a little bit of a slip um, against Jacksonville. I know they ended up winning, um, but that offense, I think, sometimes can be stagnant. Um, they get away from running the football too much to me. They they rely on Kyle Murray to do a lot, right? <laughs> so, um, you know, trying to think of another team that maybe in the NFC, really. There's nobody in the East. The North, to me, is just absolute garbage. I don't care – 
if the Green Bay Packers found a way to win. I love Aaron Rodgers to death. Um, I, I'm sorry. I feel like the Niners gave up that game. That's just me. Um, let's look at the West, obviously, where the Rams are. I mean, Seattle, all of a sudden, can't even create first downs anymore. Um, you know, San Fran's going to be tough, but, I mean, you can't literally sit there as a Niner fan and feel confident about winning the division, though, right? No, I think if we're talking about the NFC West, the only team that worries me right now is Is the Cardinals. Honestly, the Cardinals. For me, the only team that worries me is the Cardinals. And I say that with a caveat. Caveat is if San Francisco stays with Jimmy G, I'm not worried about them because he has not looked good. If you watch the games, (laughs) he's not doing anything special. He's doing handoffs. He's doing jet screens. He's not doing anything. He's holding special. onto the football like a rookie, right? Yeah. Like, like again, um, you know, me being the college guy that I am and a huge Florida Gator fan, you know, to me, when Emory Jones is out there at times, he's making rookie mistakes, but he's starting in his thirtieth college football game. Jimmy G is looking like he at times just doesn't know either what the play call is or he's just trying to force the damn thing and. And that's quite unfortunate because he doesn't really need to do much. Okay, he has a, he has a Pro Bowl tight end, Debo. Okay, Kyle Shanahan, right? Is it Kyle or Mike? I, I can't Kyle, even. Yeah. <laughs> Kyle Shanahan. He's he's going to create a game plan for you where you just got to be able to make the throws when you need to make them. And Jimmy G has regressed. Now, when I see Mr. Trevor Lance in the backfield, I mean, man, I know it's only been running plays inside the ten. That scares me. That brings me back to Colin Kaepernick days, man. <laughs> that, that really does scare me a little yeah, bit. Yeah, I, th- I think at some point during the season, I don't know when, but I'm going to go ahead and say it right now that at some point during this season, they're going to make a change because right now it doesn't look like Jimmy G has the confidence in himself and it doesn't look like Kyle has the confidence in him either because if you look at their play calling, it's reminding me a lot of the Rams offense last year where it was screens, gimmicky plays, short crossing routes that are really quick off the snap. It's nothing like deep post routes, deep crossers, um, uh, deep end cuts. Like there's nothing like that. It's just very gimmicky. It's, it's a lot of motion to try and get the defense like off, off their game plan. It's nothing that's like, you can't sit back and say, oh, Jimmy G's having a great game. Look at him throw that ball. He really put it in a tight window or made a phenomenal throw. That's not happening. So I feel like if if San Francisco is going to force the issue and just stay with him at quarterback, I'm not worried about them. I, I really am not. Um, if they do decide to put Trey Lance in, then I'll be a little bit more concerned because that's, that's you know, a, a guy that we haven't seen yet. He hasn't even played. Um football since 2019 because last year he only played like one game before their season got canceled so you don't really have a whole lot of film on him and he seems to have um talent we don't know how well it's gonna you know translate to the nfl but i would be much more worried about a trey lance 49er team than a jimmy g 49er team so right now i think our biggest competition is the cardinals which just so happens to work out we're playing them next week so we'll get to that in just a second um, finishing off this game, obviously the biggest performers on offense were Deshaun Jackson. He had three catches, 120 yards, touchdown, Cooper cup, nine for 96, two touchdowns. 
And then uh, Manny mentioned earlier, Stafford was 27 of 38, 343 yards and four touchdowns. So uh, the, our, before I get to the my, my game nuggets, because I love those, those always bring me a lot of joy. There was one injury that that is worth noting. Um, we're already really thin at linebacker. That's that's kind of the weakness of our defense. We did have an injury to Justin Hollins, who had been playing pretty decent. Um, he did have a torn pec, so he is going to be out eight to ten weeks. So it's not season ending, but we're talking about a big chunk of the season. So we're going to see what happens there. I don't know. I haven't seen or heard anything about how they're going to fill that gap. I did see earlier today that Detroit released linebacker Jamie Collins. So I don't know if the Rams would potentially sign him or if they're just going to try and do the internal thing that they've been doing for years now. And they just keep bringing guys from the practice squad and whatever. We'll see how they address it, but that could be a little bit of a concern going forward. Um, Now, as far as just some game nuggets from this game, before we move on to the Cardinals, Uh, The Rams have had 11 touchdown drives this season, and not one of them was less than 70 yards. That's kind of crazy if you think about that. 11 touchdown drives so far, none of them less than 70. So every time that we've scored a touchdown, it's been a long drive. We've been eating up yards. Nothing gimme, nothing cheap. Our offense has earned every single one of those touchdowns. So... Pretty, pretty crazy stuff. Um, for the first time in his career, Tom Brady threw for over 400 yards, no interceptions, and lost. And we're talking about the GOAT. We're talking about Tom Brady. Threw for over 400, no turnovers, and still lost. Never happened before, but happened on Sunday. Matt Stafford mm. uh, tied. That was, that was interesting to me because uh, you said 400 yards, no turnovers. If I remember correctly, he had over 400 yards against the Eagles in the Super Bowl. And then I forgot about that Brandon Graham strip uh, sack. Oh, thank God for that. Right, yeah. You're right. You're right. <laughs> uh, and then uh, Matt Stafford tied Kurt Warner's franchise record nine touchdowns through three games, which he set in 1999, which if you're a Rams historian, you know what happened in 1999. You know how that season finished. I would hope you know what happened in 1999, especially yeah. in the especially in the area where I'm in today. <laughs> yeah. So, if you haven't, if you don't know, go ahead and give that a look. See, um, Manny mentioned it earlier. Greatest show on turf, definitely worth checking out. Um, this, when I saw this stat, this blew my mind. So we've played three weeks of football. The Rams have trailed in their games for a combined total of two minutes and three seconds. That's how long they've been behind so far through three weeks. They've only trailed two minutes and three seconds in total. That's absolute domination. That's like Alabama, you know, in the college ranks, like Alabama shits on everybody. It doesn't matter who they play. They basically shit on everybody. Whoa, and whoa, whoa, whoa. Listen, Florida, Florida hanged in, hanged in there tough. Okay. okay they on, did. Man. They did. But. <laughs> By and large, they just tend to dominate everybody. And that's like, we're talking about the pros here. And and the, the Rams have, like I said, only been trailing for two minutes and three seconds this entire season. That's bananas. That's absurd. That speaks to not only the offense, but how dominant the defense has been as well. So the, the Cardinals are the next opponent. And if you want to do the recency bias thing, 
the this has not been an issue for the Rams. They they've dominated this uh, series for the last four years. They've won eight games in a row against the Cardinals. So this hasn't been close. Every every game has been pretty much a dominating performance by the Rams. But this this Cardinals team, you would you would have to agree that this Cardinals team is certainly different than last year's Cardinals team. And I think this Sunday's matchup, I think we're going to see something that we haven't seen before as far as the competitiveness level. I, I can't imagine this is going to be a total beatdown. Like, I don't think this is going to look like the Bucks game, but, I mean, I could be totally wrong. I thought the Bucks were going to win on Sunday, and they didn't. So I, I just feel like this is going to be our biggest competition in the division. Um, I mean, listen, and, and as we, as we see the Cardinals though, week by week, there's one thing that's kind of like there that we should kind of, you know, talk about a little bit. They're, they're playing with confidence. Right. And, and, and in all honesty, I know of a lot of people, um, pro, you know, professional gamblers and people that actually picked the Cardinals to finish last. Right. So, I know this team, the moment they took the field against Tennessee, um, you know, if if at any point they had any shot of proving anything to anyone, it all started there, right? And three weeks later, granted, Vikings missed the game-winning field goal, right? right. <laughs> so, again, though, it is the NFL. A win's a win. I, though, when I look at these three teams that they've won, it's nice, it's great. They haven't faced... Aaron Donald. They haven't faced Jalen Ramsey. They haven't faced a top team in the league. Okay. Jacksonville's not that. Minnesota's not that. Tennessee right now, halfway through the pack. Okay. I think this Sunday, once again, the Rams are going to be up to the task. Now, to me, to me, the question is, does that Cardinal pass rush that has been very good for the first three weeks get to Matthew Stafford, get to Sean McVay's game plan? What is Sean going to do? Is he going to rely on quick quick passes, quick screens to slow down that that pass rush? Is he going to run the football more? Is he going to, you know, try to establish the run to do the play action? Is he going to do play action first to establish the run, right? Um, the way that he attacked the Bucks secondary, I don't think you can do that to the Cardinals secondary. Um, you know, again, the Bucks did have a strong front three or four, and so do the Cardinals. So maybe he uses the same approach, but he's going to change it up a little bit. You know, in this past game, Nick, you know, Tyler Higby was a huge, huge target for them in the first half, right? I know, you know, Cup had the most targets and yardages and whatnot, but Tyler Higby was a game changer, right? You know, being able to have a tight end that you can split them out, quick screens, get them one-on-one, throw the ball at a high pitch, big body. Like, those are type of things that Sean McVay practices during the week. And he tries to exploit you matchups to matchups. Maybe Tyler Higby, Higby is that guy again that opens everything up again. Um, but again, I don't think the Cardinals have faced a great team like the Rams. You know, no, they nothing, certainly haven't. So no. nothing against the Titans, Vikings, or the Jaguars. And again, the Vikings missed a short field goal to win that game. But again, you know, credit to the Cardinals. But to me, it's you know they haven't faced a team like this. The only way I see this team, this Rams team, losing this game. If I personally, if I think Sean Ray goes back to his arrogance, you know, of throwing screens and not being able to just say, you know what, like, you know, 
I highly doubt he will do that, but that's the only way that I would see it and the total meltdown by the defense, right? Because you know how to contain Kyler Murray. You've done it the last two years, okay? You've blown him out the last two years. You know, D-Hop was in there last year, and you were still able to contain this offense. So I don't see why they should not be able to do this once again this this upcoming Sunday. It's going to – it's it's a divisional game, so that always adds a little bit more to it. And – they have to be feeling pretty confident because, like you said, a win's a win. They're coming in undefeated. So, granted, you could make the argument that they shouldn't be. They have to be coming in confident. The good thing also that's in our favor is we're going to be at home again. And I have to say, before I forget, the atmosphere at SoFi for that Bucks game, that was electric. That was like playoff atmosphere. That was intense. It was so much fun to actually see the stands full and it was predominantly Rams fans, which I was kind of worried about, but it is so nice to see a home crowd rooting this team on and cheering for this team. And you could tell that it was making an impact. You could tell that the crowd was getting loud and it was having an impact on the bucks. And that is so cool to see because if you've been following the team since they came to LA, there were a, a lot. And when I say a lot, I mean pretty much all of them. The games at the Coliseum, there was not predominantly Rams fans. The ones that are there might tell you otherwise, but I'll tell you from watching the game on TV and the pictures that I saw at the stadium afterwards, that wasn't the case for most of the games. And it's been a struggle to kind of get the the people in L.A. to kind of jump on board because we're still so new. But the electricity at the stadium was incredible, and we're, I, I really feel like we now – people have to respect us when they come to LA. It's not just going to be the visiting team and, mm-hmm. and you know, stuff like that. And, and, and Nick, it's funny that you mentioned this whole home field thing. Cause I remember Troy, he mentioned this on the broadcast when he would come and do Rams games at the Coliseum. It's like at times it's the visiting team that was at home. Right. Exactly. <laughs> so, you know, it, it's, it's quite different now when you're able to pack that house with Rams house fans and being able to get excited and being able to scream on third down. And, you know, when your offense, you know, is able to put up points like that, it changes the dynamic of, a, of the fan base, atmosphere, electricity, everything in one, man. It's just and it's and it's awesome to see. Right. Because, again, we're talking about teams that have good fan bases, minus, I'm going to say the Chargers, obviously. Um, you know, you had the Bears come in, you had the Bucks come in, and still, oh, man, Rams fans showed up. I'm so damn glad and happy that if you had the tickets and you were like, no, I'm going, I'm not selling them for double the prices. Like, this is this is great football we're playing. I'm not going to miss this. That's awesome, man. And that's what, that's what Cranky, in reality, just, that's all he's ever wanted, though, right? is for his team to have a fan base behind them. He didn't get it in St. Louis, especially, you know, yes, they won the Super Bowl in 99 and they lost it the year afterwards. But let, let's be quite honest here. That Edward Jones Dome wasn't really a stadium that you called home field advantage. Half the fans will never show up. I mean, that's particularly a baseball town, if you ask me, okay? You know, I might get some hate from people in St. Louis that are still Rams fans that listen, but trust me, man, I went there for a weekend. Rams were playing the Niners. Cardinals were playing the Cubs. It was all about Cardinals and Cubs. <laughs> it was all about. It was all about. Are you going to be at Bush Stadium? It wasn't. Are you going to be at Edward Jones Dome? Right. So 
again though it's 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 damn happy it's it's damn it's it's exciting to see this new this you know this new you know regime or this new i guess type of rams football that's just bringing the fans in that area together which man listen that stadium i've been told you've told me i've seen videos i mean it just looks electric once the home once the home team is able to create any advantage man it it could be um, possibly a very difficult place to play for years and years to come. Yeah, and it was another game where it was standing room only. So they're selling tickets, and the the thought that I had that's it's kind of funny because this is probably really premature, but the thought popped into my head last night. The Rams are starting to they're starting to get national attention, which hasn't been the issue or they, it hasn't been a thing for them for a while. Even when they went to the Super Bowl a couple years ago, no one really picked them to win the game. No one really talked about them. They kind of knew who McVay was. They knew who Aaron Donald was. But other than that, no one nationally really cared about the Rams. They were just that new team in L.A. And now we're starting to get national attention, especially now that, Pretty much anyone you talk to or any media outlet you follow, whether it's, I don't care if it's Barstool, ESPN, Bleacher Report, I don't care who it is. Everyone is starting to talk about this Rams team as the best team in the NFL. And what's going to eventually happen is you either live long enough to, you know, or I should say you either, you know, die a hero, as they say, or you live long enough to see yourself, you know, become the villain. And I think what's going to end up happening is the national media or maybe not national media, but the fans, the fans are going to start to turn on the Rams and we're actually going to be viewed as like the enemy because everyone's talking about us and you have to think too, this is also LA. So big picture LA, everyone hates LA. Unless you're a fan of LA, you don't like LA. You don't like the Lakers. You don't like LeBron James. You don't like the Dodgers. You don't like Mookie Betts. You don't like Justin Turner. You don't like Dave Roberts. Like most people nationally don't like LA. So what's going to end up happening now is a lot of fan bases are going to start rejecting the Rams. It used to be no one cared, but now that people are going to. Uh, this sounds familiar, like a like a city that I live in Miami. <laughs> I, I just, I can see it happening because like I said, LA is not one of those fan bases that people generally like. So the Rams are going to go from being no one cares to now everyone's just going to start rejecting us and people are going to start talking crap about us. People are going to start hating on us and the Rams, you know, the haters think, are going to start getting louder. But you think Sean McVay cares about that? Oh no 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 no! Definitely <laughs> you think that, not. You think that this team, you think that this team with Aaron Donald and Jalen Ramsey don't know what they need to do. I it's mean, just funny on, that I, I I just think it's funny that we're going to go from being the team that no one cared about to now. I think pretty soon, like this season, I think there's going to start being that national attention where people are going to start rejecting the Rams and people are going to start saying, "Oh, you're a Rams fan, dude. You suck." F the Rams, F LA. And it never used to be that way. It, when I was telling people years ago that I was a Rams fan, they would just laugh and be like, <laughs> Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. 
For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Okay. Like, that's it. It's, it's, it's just like, oh, okay. Like, no one cared. But I think now that we're getting all this attention and we're legitimately really freaking good, people are going to start rejecting us. So, and the fact that we're starting to get this attention in the same city that has the World Series, the winning Dodgers, that has the LeBron James Lakers, that's pretty incredible. So, I love to see that. I love to see it, though. I love to see that we're getting national attention. I love that we're getting fans in the stadium. Um, we're getting primetime games. I love it. I think it's amazing. And I, I frankly, I don't care if people don't like us. I, I, I don't give a shit. Um, you know as well as I do, because we also are big baseball fans. You're a Yankees fan, and I'm a Red Sox fan, which are two of the mm-hmm. most hated franchises in sports, not just baseball. They're like two of the most hated franchises in sports. It doesn't matter if people don't like you. Who cares? That just makes it more fun. So (laughs) so I'm totally down for being the enemy. I'm cool with people not liking us. Everyone's cool with us now. I don't know how long that's going to last, but I'm cool with it when they start hating on us. I I don't care. Um, For the uh, betting lines and stuff on this game, right now the Rams are five-point favorites which I would expect that's probably going to climb by the end of the week. I'm, I'm sure the Rams are going to get a lot of money, so that line's probably going to creep up, so it wouldn't surprise me if it changes. Um, right now, the money line on Rams is minus 200, excuse me, and the over-under is uh, 54 and a half, which that's going to be really, that's tempting, because I want to say high. it's high, high but I almost want to uh, say that it could go over. It's hard to say because our defense has been playing so well, but mm-hmm. man, I don't know. Um, I, I will. Is, though, if the if the damn Cardinals keep kicking eighty yard field goals and we somehow are able to manage two of them for one hundred nine yard, you know, return for touchdowns, hey, it could go over fifty. <laughs> yeah, I I will say just as like a, a final prediction for this game, I do think the Rams win. I feel like oh, it's going to be you, Nikki positive now look well, at yeah, you jumping I, on the bad wagon <laughs> I do think we're going to win I do think it's going to be more competitive than it has been in the past but I will say if they blow them out I'm not going to be surprised I I just I feel like this team this Cardinals team is a little bit more advanced than they were last year but the way we've been playing if we blow them out I'm not going to be surprised either yeah, listen, the only way they blow him out is if, once again, Mr. Con Murray and his head coach has come up with a bad game plan from the get-go. Um, I think the Cardinals will be competitive, though, in this game. Um, if I'm not mistaken, it's both teams' first division game, correct? Right? Both are undefeated. Yes, yes. There's first game impressions for one another. They know they're the top two teams in the division. It's going to be competitive, man. This is the NFL. But I think when push when push comes to shove, by the end of the third fourth quarter, Rams defense takes over. Matthew Stafford all of a sudden, you know, if there were some type of struggles in the first quarters, first half, eventually gets it going. Man, this this Rams offense to me has too many weapons. You can't cover everybody. You can't double team everybody. Robert Woods has been as quiet as I've ever seen him in a Rams uniform through three weeks. Man, it's just a matter of time until he starts. You know, gets 
gets, you know, he just gets it going, which then, you know, you got Cup and Woods all of a sudden going at it. Deshaun Jackson's creating plays on the field, spreading the defense. Higby's getting involved. Michelle's running the football, creating first downs. Bro, this offense is set, is set to become, you know, in my opinion, after it's all said, after it's all said and done, um, close, very close of averaging the same amount of yardage and points um, to that greatest show on turf, man. In all honesty, I understand there's no Marshall Falk, there's no Tory Holt, there's no Isaac Bruce, um, there's no Ricky Prohl, <laughs> you know, there's no Hazakim. But still, man, like the way that Matthew Stafford is just able to throw the football with a flick. And, you know, if he misses a throw, though, Nick, he goes back out there and does it and he completes it. That's yeah. the difference between golf and him. That's yeah. the difference in which it took me a long time to realize, man, all all McVay needed was a quarterback like Matthew. That's it to run his offense. Yeah, that Rams offense from 99, if I remember correctly, had five Hall of Famers on it. I'm saying five. I'm counting Tory. I'm counting Tory Holt as a Hall of Famer because he freaking should be. I don't he know, should be a Hall of Famer. I don't know why they haven't that. elected him yet. So I'm counting this him as a Hall of Famer. Bro. So they had five Hall of Famers on that offense. And what's crazy is I, the, I think the only Hall of Famer on this offense would potentially be Stafford. It's just as of right now. It's just Sean McVay's offense and the way that the guys are clicking and gelling right now. They're just untouchable right now. I think if I was you know, game planning this offense in my head, what I would think to do is the strength of the Cardinals defense is their speed. They're very fast. They're very, like all, all over the field. They're linebackers, they're secondary, Buda Baker, Tyron Matthew, their linebacking core is young. They're quick. So I feel like if you wanted to counteract that, you would spread the field. And instead of hitting cup 12 times or 10 times, you would, you know, you hit Van Jefferson a little bit. You hit Deshaun Jackson a little bit. Then you sprinkle in some Robert Woods. Then you sprinkle in maybe some screens to the running backs. I feel like they would have to get everyone involved and kind of spread the field a little bit. But that's just in me in my head what I would think to do. But who knows? Who knows what they're going to do? They might just keep doing what they've been doing and, and feeding Cup and, you know, going wherever else. But just uh, I think we'll wrap it up there for for the game for some final thoughts before I get into, uh, you know, anything that I was going to talk about. Did you have any final thoughts, anything from week three that you wanted to talk about or address? Oh, man, the Indianapolis Colts, man. <laughs> I mean, I mean, I thought Frank Wright was supposed to be an offensive genius. I thought he finally had his quarterback. I thought this offense was supposed to go to the next level. They can't run the football. They can't score touchdowns. They can't maintain drives. Their defense can't stop anybody on a consistent basis. I mean, hey, listen, like after the Eagles got basically destroyed in the offseason for training away Carson Wentz and all those other, you know, shagaroos or whatnot. I mean, listen, Indy, dude, like get it together, man, because <laughs> I'm sorry. I really don't know. Um the exact issues and I get it right when it comes to Wentz he wasn't fully you know healthy in preseason shocker they basically right oh shocker right but it's like you have a you have a rookie um running back in Jonathan Taylor that can actually run the football and catch the football and you're deciding to make it a three running back system then you don't dress one of them right I forget the player's name now he wants to get traded away or whatnot 
Um, I get it. No T.Y. Hilton, man, but you still got some pretty good weapons on the outside, and uh, that offense is just absolute putrid. Um, listen, I'm damn glad that the New Orleans Saints went to Foxborough and punched Bill Belichick in the mouth, and I'm damn glad the Rams beat the crap out of the, you know, the, the you know, the Tampa Bay Bucks and Tom Brady because this Sunday night game that is about to happen on primetime television, my friend, will be one for the ages. I cannot wait. You have an angry Tom Brady, an angry Bill Belichick heading into face each other for the first time. Man, that's going to be amazing. Um, what else? Seattle. Dude, can it get can it get any more uglier? Can it? I you hope know, it you're, does. I, I, listen, I hope it does as well. But I don't see any world where Russell Wilson is with them next year. I think I don't see gone. any. I don't see any world where Pete Carroll can actually try to convince the fan base that everything is going to be fine because it's not. You know, <laughs> like you're gonna lose the most lovable player in your franchise. Because you want to be damn arrogant and you don't want to actually, you know, give them extra help and you don't want to actually pay attention to detail. Why? Because you want to be the old grumpy man that you always have been. And listen, I'm all for it as well. So, hey, it is what it is. Um, Miami Dolphins. What, what, What play, what call was for you to throw the football in the end zone and expect your your rookie to actually get out, get get himself out of the end zone before he got tackled for a safety. Yeah, Again, that, the NFL doesn't surprise me at all. That's like a once-in-a-lifetime thing. I, I don't know if we'll ever see that again in our lifetime because that's really hard to do. You don't complete a pass in the end zone and then get tackled for a safety. That just doesn't happen. I, I don't care if the damn cornerback's 10 yards deep, man. That could be all for show. That That's all pre-snap. <laughs> no, that's all pre-snap before the ball's even hiked. What are you I, doing? <laughs> I I just don't know why that play was even called. I get like Jacoby Brissett, he has to take some of the blame because he's the one who threw the ball. Oh, he should have made a better decision. Well. But that play call well. itself oh, should never have horrible. even been called. No. So. And also my last thing, Nick, the New York Jets should stop playing football, please. You're you're an embarrassment. Yeah, for for you, since you're a soccer guy, I'll, I'll go ahead and use the term relegated. They should be relegated. <laughs> Beautiful. Love it. <laughs> yeah. They're terrible. Um, They were terrible with Gase. They're terrible right now. Obviously, I'm not going to just say Robert Sala is the problem because he's still first time head coach. It's only three weeks. But man, they look so bad. They look so bad. They've scored one touchdown through three weeks of football. And. I think through the last two weeks alone, Zach Wilson's thrown six interceptions, which some of that is all him. Some of that is obviously who else is on that Jets team? Who the hell is he supposed to throw to? What line is he is is protecting him? I mean, it's he can only do so much, but yeah, they are an absolute poverty franchise. They they should be relegated. Uh, send them to NFL Europe. I don't know. They're have terrible. You, yeah. And have you seen what Darnold's been doing with the Panthers? Man, every Jet fan's like, Jesus, dude, really? That's what you can do? That's 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 what you could have done for us, but yeah, unfortunately, we can't get a damn head coach and a damn freaking front office to actually put things together. <laughs> yeah, and what's funny is New York as a whole, like football in New York is just in a bad spot, and it's been in a bad spot for almost 10 years now. 
the Giants are bad, the Jets are terrible, and it's been that way for a while. So um, you would think that at some point someone would do something about it, but they keep hiring stupid coaches. They keep making bad signings and bad trades. So I don't know. You tell me. That's not a me problem. I'm a Rams fan, so not my problem. Um, a couple things I wanted to just touch on. The officiating this year is really bothering me. Um, I know officials have a really hard job, and most times they get it right, but I feel like there's been some really egregious and stupid penalties, and they're calling penalties that they shouldn't be, and then when there are penalties, they're not calling those. And the taunting rule is beyond stupid. I don't know why that's a thing. Um I've just been seeing a lot of games where the officiating is just god awful. I'm not a, I'm I'm not happy with the state of officiating in, in the NFL right now. So I hope that gets cleaned up. Um, no one tunes in to watch the game to watch the officials. No one tunes into a game to want to see 15 penalties called. Um, I feel like almost every passing play they're calling holding or pass interference. It's just getting old. I'm just tired of it. I don't know what the problem is right now. I don't know if it's just because it's still early in the season and maybe they're uh, working the kinks out. I don't know if Roger Goodell sent out a memo and said, hey, you guys need to enforce these rules stricter. I don't know what's going on, but I've just been noticing through a lot of the games I've been watching, and I've been watching pretty much all of them because I watch Red Zone when I'm not watching the Rams, so I watch like all the games. Um, It just looks bad. Um, yeah, and then my only point on that, Nick, is that when these refs are making these terrible calls, it's affecting the result of the game. Like, it's not yeah, like there's in the like first big, quarter. Big it's not like it's a pass interference on the first drive. I mean, these are calls happening in the fourth quarter down the stretch. Ask the a Detroit Lions of, how they feel about the well, officiating this year. But, I mean, Nick, let's go back to the Niners-Eagles, right? Fourth quarter, under two minutes, third and – it was third and five or whatnot, and the Niners actually snapped the ball off when the play clock hit zero for a full second. Yeah, that's the same thing that right? happened in Detroit the whole, with the Ravens. That's the same thing that happened in Detroit. Like, like, and to my understanding is the backline officials are looking at the clock. Yeah, once that's that hits zero, correct. Once the clock hits zero, they're supposed to look at, on the field to see if the ball was snapped. It quite obviously it was not in both occasions. Okay, this pass interference with the Dolphins and the Raiders. Not saying the Dolphins should have won. There's a clear still photo of Fuller getting actually dragged before the football even reaches his hands in overtime. And if people want to tell me, oh, it's a bang bang play, I understand it's a bang bang play. But this is the NFL, man. You got to get these calls right. These are players and coaches' jobs on the line. The results of these games are weighing on this on these calls that are supposedly, you know, being reviewed to get it right. But again, what what is there to what can you do? Right? As a player that happens on your team, you move you 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 complain about it and you move forward, man. But these calls, man, they are clear results of changing the game. Yeah, they're they're literally affecting wins and losses, which that should not be the case um, unless it's something obviously that's like, you know, blatant. But like we're saying, like the the Eagles example and that Detroit Lions example, you literally cost the team the game right there. 
the, those are big plays that have direct impacts on the game. The the Ravens credit to Justin Tucker. He set the NFL record for you know, 66 yard field goal. That's insane. The fact that he even made that, that's insane. However, comma, he shouldn't have even been in that spot. They should have gotten flagged and taken back five yards. It shouldn't have even been a field goal attempt. So they're taking wins out of some of these teams' hands. And that's not the way this is supposed to be. That's not how this goes. Um, the last thing that I wanted to address is um, the Bears and Justin Fields. I'm not a huge Justin Fields guy. I, I wasn't high on him coming out um, uh, in the draft. But the performance that they showed in that game, and this isn't on Justin Fields. This isn't yes. on Fields. I'm not putting this on Fields. This is you a Matt mean... Nagy problem. And the Love fact it. that he had, you know, 150 days or whenever when the draft was, back in April, he's known that this guy at some point was going to be the starting quarterback. And he had a week to prepare knowing that he was going to be the starter. He went into that game, and if you've watched that game or watched the highlights, it, was it is hard to watch ab- all day, Trust me, it's an it's an <laughs> every absolute time, shit show. Nick, every time the red zone was showing highlights, it was Justin Fields getting sacked. Yeah, he got like, sacked nine times. Nine. Oh, that's almost double digits. Uh, one guy, oh, one game. God. That's that's insane. They had one passing yard, net passing yard. They had one. That hasn't been done since I, if I remember right, since 2009. That is my, my point. The reason I'm even saying this is because Matt Nagy should be fired. He, what he did was one of two things. It was either complete negligence. He didn't do his job. So complete negligence, and that's a fireable offense. Or he's completely incompetent, and he's stupid. So either one of those is a fireable offense. And I don't know how he has a job right now. But the fact that that's the effort they put forward in that game is absolutely pathetic. I don't know how he has a job. It's absolutely pathetic. I'm still trying to figure out after you draft this young quarterback, such a high pick, you went through offseason workouts, you went through training camp and preseason, okay? Did he all of a sudden forget Justin Fields' strengths? Did he just forget what Justin Fields is as a quarterback? Yet you put the young man out there. You leave Jason Peters on an island to block Miles Garrett. 39-year-old Jason Peters, by the way. 39-year-old Jason Peters, which I could have told you as an Eagles fan, the man literally robbed money from the Eagles last year. And he literally did the same thing to the Bears this season. Not to mention Clowney on the other side. And yet you do boot, uh, boot action to uh, boot action, play action, or however you want to call it to leave fields facing pass rushers of this size, basically one-on-one. Um, dude, what are you trying to do? Yeah. What are you trying to prove? Yeah. Like I said, it's bro, me. Bro, for this, for this, for this example, Nick, if I'm Justin Fields and if Matt Nagy is still the head coach, when my player option is up, I request a trade. I'm getting the hell out of there, bro. He's trying to kill him. I mean, if the Bears fans should be rioting in the streets if they're not already. Oh, I mean, if he's man. still the coach when that day comes, that that's unreal. I, I don't know what it is about the NFL sometimes. It used to be, you know, if you had one bad year, you were fired. 
Like, it didn't matter if you were the Bengals, the Jaguars. If you were a bad coach, you were gone. I don't know what's been going on the past couple of years. There's been some guys that are holding on to their job far longer than they should have. Uh, Adam Gase was around way too long. Um, what was that bonehead's name for the Giants? Um, I can't think of his name. Tom, right Tom Coughlin? No, no, no. The guy that was in there when they drafted uh, – Daniel Jones. I can't remember his name right now. Um, but oh, the coach before Judge? Yeah, I can't oh, remember. Phil, uh, Phil Schumer, right? Schumer, Schumer, Schumer? No, not not sure. Well, actually, Schumer did have Schirmer, a spot there, Schirmer? I think, for a little bit. But yeah, but yeah. the other guy I'm thinking of, I, I can't think of his name right now. But Perry Fuel, right? Perry Fuel? No. Oh, no? this is going to bother me. I actually have to look this up because it's going to bother I me. I am doing that it much. right now for you. It's, it's, for you. it's bothering me. Let me see. I'll look for it right now. <clears throat> By the way, um, you can kind of see, though, which coaches pan out being great offensive minds and which is just seem to just go downhill once they get figured out. Matt Nagy has been figured out since 2018. <laughs> Yet he goes out there and still tries to convince everybody in the Bears organization and fans that he actually knows how to coach NFL football, right? And it's pretty sad because, man, he is just running uh, Khalil Mack and all these good defensive players into the ground, and now he's trying to do the same thing with their first-round pick in fields after after basically, you know, Trubisky and Foles and all these other guys that he's had underneath them that haven't been able to do anything. And this is the first game plan, official professional game plan you did out there for your first-round pick. Absolutely, like, Jesus, man. Not even – that's horrible. So Ben McAdoo was the guy I was that's thinking of. So he got fired midway through 2017. So they gave him – he should have been fired way sooner before that, but he got fired yeah, mid-2017. Right. Um, yeah. And then Shermer was god-awful. They gave him two full seasons. So I don't know. There's well, just – there's just been Nick, a lot I would of... say, though, I would say with Ben McAdoo, because I'm looking at his stats right now, he actually has a much better winning percentage than Joe Judge has right now. Yeah. So if that means uh, anything. I know. I know. But the talent that they've had come through the door the, and the division that they've played in, you have to – they they should be better. They should be better. And they're not. And they're not getting any better. And I just feel like it used to be in the NFL, if you had a bad year – the ownership and the fans were like, hey, dude, you're out. Sorry. Sorry, not sorry. You got to go. And now it's like if you have a bad year, they're like, ah, we'll give you another year. And then you have another bad year. And like, ah, we'll, we'll give you another shot. It's like, I, I don't know why some of these coaches are getting such a long leash. It's weird. Um, so that, that those were the things that I wanted to address. I thought the officiating has just been kind of bad. And I think Matt Nagy and Ryan Pace should be fired. I don't know how they have a job, but. Also, the Buffalo Bills are back. All yeah, I all these questions. Oh, the Bills. Oh, they're gonna go through a sophomore slump. And, oh, is the offense even gonna be any good? Has Josh Allen lost his touch? You dumb idiots that thought just because one week was gonna make a difference. Have you seen the Pittsburgh Steelers ever since week one? Absolutely abysmal at home. Okay, listen, the Buffalo Bills are for real. Yeah, it's funny if you watch. If you watch week one and then watch week three, Bills, completely different teams. Completely different teams. Um, I really wanted a Rams-Bills Super Bowl last year, and I think if we're lucky, we might get one this year. That would be 
awesome. I'm I'm a hundred percent in for a Rams Bills Super Bowl. That would be lit. I'm totally in for that. You want to talk about the other LA team real quick? Very, very nice win though against Kansas City. Even though I do think Kansas City um, messed up their opportunities, but you got to give credit to credit is due, right? Um, yeah, um, pretty, pretty, yeah. pretty nice couple of drives that Herbert did. And man, I I have to admit, the more I see Herbert, the more I have to say that Herbert looks. You know, I get I get it, right? Two was hurt, not much better you know supporting cast but herbert looks man i mean i i i now have to just come to the realization i cannot evaluate talent (laughs) uh i'm sorry bro i I am being honest with you man i've been on listen i am the most to a positive person in the world man but herbert is just going out there and just putting drives together and i know he had a tough 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 game last um last week against dallas but you know, going on the road, um, facing a team that's beaten them what six straight times. I mean, that's impressive. Yeah, the I, I I'm willing to say Justin Herbert is the truth. He looks good. Um, every ball that he throws has a tight, crisp spiral, and it's a laser. He doesn't throw nothing. Is like I mean, he's got the touch when he needs it, but he throws absolute laser beams. Um, got a cannon for an arm. So I think sky's the limit for him. Uh, I already, I've already made it known in, in old episodes that I was really sad that we lost Brandon Staley. Uh, it looks like he's going to, it's still obviously early, but it looks like he's going to be a good head coach. The Chargers look like they could potentially be a problem. And who would have thought three weeks in the Kansas City Chiefs would be at the bottom of the division? It's crazy. Rams Chargers Super Bowl? I mean, that, Stadium? yeah, that's the part. <laughs> that's the part that makes it even crazier. The fact that two LA teams could play each other in the Super Bowl—that's absolutely wild. What makes it even more bananas is the fact that the this year the Super Bowl is in LA. So that is absolutely bananas. If that happens, oh my god, I feel I feel bad for the country because I'm sure no one wants to see that. But I would. I think it's kind of cool. I would love it. I'm totally in for it. Um, the fact that that's even a possibility is insane, but the chargers definitely look like they could be one of those top five teams at the end of the year that legit have a chance of making the super bowl. So you never know. You never know. Uh, with that, we'll go ahead and uh, we'll sign off on this one. It was a good little meaty hour long episode. We appreciate you guys listening as always. Hopefully when we come to you guys next week, we'll be talking about another awesome win and the Rams are going to be four and zero, and we're just going to be saying, why did we even question this team? They're amazing. They're never going to lose again. So thanks as always for listening guys. We greatly appreciate it. Have a great rest of your week.